when given the choice between the sword and the ball, the Toho guys choose to walk the way of the podcast. It's Baby Cart Mayhem and this Chambara classic, Lone Wolf and Cub. Welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro. I am your host this week, Scott, joined as always by my co-host, Joey. Hey, everybody. And Alex. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, This week, we'll be covering Lone Wolf and Cub Sword of Vengeance from 1972. Uh, so before we get into this, uh, did y'all have any history with this movie? I think all of us have seen it in one form or another before. Um, I had, uh, yeah, I have, uh, I had, I'd heard and read about these films quite a bit before seeing them. Actually, they're covered pretty extensively in books like, um, Patrick Macias's book, uh, Tokyo scope and, and other things like that. And I had read one volume of the manga back in college. And when they were in these sort of like micro volumes that dark, dark horse was putting out, um, like even smaller, I'd say almost half the size of the sort of standard manga size. Mm. Um, and you know, I thought it was fine. I didn't really like, uh, the comics didn't super grab me. I didn't end up like collecting it or anything. Uh, and then, uh, I hadn't seen the movie actually until uh, the Criterion set came out a couple years ago. And so this was my second time seeing it. Yeah, I don't know that there was, uh, if it was available in the proper form before the Criterion set. Yeah. Just the uh, two Shogun Assassin movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Third time if you count <clears throat> a Shogun Assassin, which I had seen also. <laughs> uh, Alex? Yeah, I had not seen this movie. Oh, um, okay. I had not read the manga or anything like that. Um, I came in basically completely blind, except for I just knew that um, he is a samurai and he has a baby on his back. That's all I knew. Hmm. Oh, cool. So I'm, I was a noob, and then I watched this movie, and now I'm not a noob. <laughs> then I read up on it a little bit, and I found out about uh, Shogun Assassin, which is, uh, that's, this is movie. it sounds like it has a very hint- interesting history, this movie. <sighs> Yeah, uh, Shogun Assassin, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, was a 1980 U.S. release of Lone Wolf and Cub. It is a weird edit of the first two movies together Um, and probably best known at this point for having a bunch of voice clips on uh, the Liquid Swords album from the Jizza. And pretty well regarded as far as like old dub movies that are chopped up <laughs> are concerned, yeah. you know, like I think it's it's uh, I've I remember talking about this online and getting several people being like, you know, that dub's actually pretty good, you know, and, and when I watched it, yeah, it was decent. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like a cash in. It, it felt like people actually trying to, to make something out of it. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, getting into the. Uh, the actual like uh, cast and crew for this series. Um, the film was directed, or actually, first getting into the title, the Japanese title is uh, Kozure Okami, uh, which is basically the wolf with his cub following him. Uh, and the subtitle is Kowakashi Urikashi 
Sukumatsuru, which I forgot to look up the actual translation for. <laughs> do, you, do either of you happen to know what it is? No, nope. I don't. I don't uh, think it is. What is it, the English subtitles? Like sort of. Sort of vengeance. Yeah, I don't think that's what that means. <laughs> um, uh, it's directed by uh, Kenji Misumi, who directed a number of the uh, old Satoichi movies, including, I think, the first one and a handful of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty funny to kind of compare that because you both have seen the original Satoichi. Like, his directorial style has definitely changed. Uh, yeah, um, it's, this one's it's way evolved. more stylized. Yeah. yeah. And I saw that uh, Shintaro Katsu, uh, Katsu was a uh, producer on this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, another uh, jumping ahead a little, another interesting tidbit about Shintaro Katsu is he is actually the younger brother of Tomasaburo Wakayama, who plays uh, Ito. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so funny because they do look alike. Like, they do. Yeah. And I and uh, I could have sworn they were related, and then I saw that their names were different. I was like, oh, well, okay. I didn't, he didn't even look into any, any of <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, they're uh, both that. stage names. Um, their father was also an actor, and and is it's what got them started when um, wakayama has his head shaved uh so that he looks at in that in when he has his head shaved he looks a lot more close to uh ichi you know <laughs> to his brother you can definitely see the resemblance there i think he's actually in some of the the zatoichi films mm-hmm. yeah um and uh this is written by kazuo koike who uh, is the the writer for Lady Snowblood, both the manga and film. Uh, this is also based on another manga that he did. Uh, this time with artist uh, Goseki Kojima, which I am not actually familiar with the uh, with with the manga. I remember seeing them around a lot uh, from the Dark Horse release, and I think Frank Miller redid covers for them, which mm-hmm. seems a bit insulting. But yeah, um, but yeah, how how did you like the manga, Joey? I liked it pretty well. I, you know, like I said, it didn't like super grab me. I, I saw it uh, talked about a lot uh, when I was in college because it was a time where people were really pulling apart um, like manga storytelling and getting into the sort of like decompressed storytelling and stuff. Um, so <laughs> I, I'd seen it uh, referenced a lot and I finally picked up the book and I don't know, it was just kind of like straightforward, self-contained each chapter, like uh, Samurai you know, uh, kind of, he gets a mission to kill somebody and he goes and he kills them <laughs> type of storytelling. <laughs> um, but, uh, it was pretty cool. Like the art's good and stuff. Um, something I think is interesting. I don't know if you had read this, but this is, uh, from the criterion book booklet that comes with it is that, uh, uh, in order to get the part, uh, Tomisaburo Wakayama went to Kazuo Koiki's house, dressed in character, wielding a sword, and did a bunch of like <laughs> fighting moves and somersaults and things in his front yard. Um, because people weren't totally convinced because he's kind of a sort of chubby dude and didn't quite like look the part and had previously been in a number of sort of more comedic Yakuza type movies. And uh, he he proved himself in this case, and and they ended up giving him uh, the part, which I think is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I did not I had not seen that. Um, the the last member of the crew I wanted to call out is the music is done by uh, Aiken Sakurai, and I was not able to find anything else that they had worked on, mm. but. Uh, 
getting into the music later, I it's it's fascinating, and I'm sad that I could not find more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the cast, we we've talked a little bit about uh, Thomas Saburo, uh, Saburo Wakayama, who plays the uh, the main character Ito Ogami, and yeah, he's he looks pretty unassuming as a uh, kind of grim action star. Uh, he's, he's got a very like round, soft face that is always kind of pulled way back into his neck mm. and, uh, is not exactly an imposing figure, but something that I appreciate a lot about his performance is he does have just like an incredibly gravelly and imposing voice. Oh yeah, totally. And, uh, yeah, that's super effective to me. Um, uh, looking at the rest of his, uh, rest of his roles outside of Lone Wolf and Cub. There is a lot of stuff that I have not watched, but I kind of recognize a lot of titles floating around. Um, but uh, nothing of note that we have covered that I could find. He, I, I should, uh, you know, I got to mention, he's in the sixth Truck Yarrow movie as the rival trucker character. Um, and in that, his character is a single dad who travels with his son, um, and his truck and, uh, in the film, they are literally nicknamed lone wolf and cub. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only other cast member of note that I caught, um, was, Yunosuke Ito as, uh, Yagyu Retsudo, mm-hmm. who was the, uh, the kind of carefree novelist in Ikiru. Oh, who shows him a night out on the town. Wow. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I I didn't see anybody else that I recognized from anything else we had done. Um, did y'all catch anybody? No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's frustrating. Uh, uh, I couldn't even. Uh, there's not an Asian wiki entry for this, which mm. made it a little hard to track people down. Um, so getting into the actual synopsis. Uh, it's a fascinating start. We see this uh, child dressed in white and a guy uh, escorting the the child, both wearing like fancy cl- uh, clothes and a bunch of supplicants vowing to, to defend their Lord. And you quickly realize that this is a child Lord who is, uh, for whatever reason, walking to his execution alongside his, uh, I guess, a seneschal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they walk in and we first see our, our main character, Ito, who is, uh, is the uh, Shogun's executioner. And uh, he is so in... Uh, the child lord is being forced to commit seppuku, seppuku, which is a ritualized uh, kind of honorable suicide that uh, in in this case was being forced upon him by a a kind of uh, self-fulfilling execution forced by the shogun. And you would... uh, basically stabbed yourself in the gut and then a second uh in this case the executioner ito would chop your head off and so we get this like crazy scene or uh, an opening of the character we're supposed to have sympathy for basically setting up to execute a child mm-hmm. and um we we can see that the clothes he is wearing this this 
black robe actually has the crest, the, the Hollyhock crest of the Shogun on it, which is kind of, uh, not royal seal, but to, to a mark of station that he is allowed to wear the crest of the Shogun himself of his family. Um, and then as uh, Ito prepares and is told to, to do a good job executing this child as he's about to uh, chop downward, there's this huge red sp- splash screen cutting away. No, like you, I don't know. I I've been conditioned to think like this is wow. We're starting off with the inciting incident where he refuses to kill a child or something, but nope. <laughs> yeah, it, that was that was when I first saw it. My first um, what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, he just goes through with it. And I was like, man, he is a a loyal executioner and mm-hmm. just a brutal guy. Um. And so uh, after the red splash screen over a an image of the of the crest, we get a kind of explanation of of the setup of the time period where the the shogunate is ruling with an iron fist. And there are these three kind of principal groups that we need to know about the Kurokawa clan who has ninja spies everywhere, the Yagyu clan who has uh, assassins. And the Ogami clan who have the uh, the line of shogun's uh, prime executioners. And then following that explanation, we get this crazy title card uh, for the for the film featuring Ito and his child walking down this white path between rivers of, of fire and rushing water. Yeah. So cool looking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and and uh, from there, then this like really cool kind of mix of traditional Japanese and 70s synth mm-hmm. both kick in as we see a, a little montage of them walking down the street. And this really struck me as being just kind of like interesting and different in a similar way to like Lady Snowblood of how things seem to be getting more experimental yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Uh, but we see him with a sword for hire and sun for hire scene or a <laughs> sign on him. Uh, we have some old folks who briefly confuse the writing on his uh, his sign between uh, Ogami and Okami, which is, I guess, the the lone wolf nickname, mixing yeah. up his uh, his last name, which I guess is also a synonym for prey or prayer. I guess so. Maybe Kami is God. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 that may have just been a quirk of the, the, mm-hmm. the dub, but it comes back around lady later. Uh, and then we have a, a, a weird scene where a lady runs up and it just grabs his son thinking it's her own and, uh, breastfeeds him with, uh, Ito tell, telling his son, yeah, go ahead, and then refuses payment, even though he, he has a sign saying son for hire, um, because he was hungry anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which yeah, is it's just sort of like, yeah, it's an interesting, like, they're setting up that he's this chivalrous, like, kind soul, as well as, uh, you know, a hardened guy, which is not 
exactly what I was expecting and, and what I think of when I think back on this <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a kind of like weird character trait that like he's. I guess that once he sets his mind to doing something in a certain way, he's, he's dead set, but he's still like compassionate in his own mm-hmm. way. Um, and it starts raining. And then we get our first flashback as, uh, uh, throughout the movie, the, uh, the first two thirds are actually like a framing device to set up flashbacks. Uh, this time the rain is the common, common element going between the scenes and we flash back to happier times when he is in his uh, his family manor, and his wife is talking to him about with his, his very young child, uh, talking to him about being haunted by the spirits of all his executions. And he's he kind of brushes that off and, is, and tells her that she's a strong woman. And they talk a little bit about their their son and why they named him Daigoro. Or Daigoro, um, which look uh, Daigoro itself uh, is a pretty common Japanese name, but uh, looking at the what he actually talks about, um, there there are two things. Uh, the Godai are five elements in Buddhism, um, and then he goes on to talk about the five other realms aside from the human realm, which are hell, beasts. Uh, Ashura, Hungry Ghosts, and Heaven uh, are the other realms, and trying to remind him that he will should be a, a brave and honorable man, basically. Which is, a, once again, a weird, stern thing, but very in character for Ito. Yeah. Um, then we go to the... Uh, uh, he takes Daguro to the family temple to talk to all the spirits of the executed and try to be like, yeah, this is the, the family business. And you get to know all these people that I killed. Um, when uh, assassins silently enter the estate uh, in a real cool scene where it's a guy pretending to be a, a monk going by with a prayer gong and the assassins only taking steps uh, in time with the gong to remain silent. Uh, but they slaughter his his wife and his whole estate and leave a, the, uh, an emblem of the Shogun's crest in the family, uh, in the family shrine where you go to speak with the dead. And, uh, Ito discovers his wife and, uh, his wife's dying reaches out and touches her son's face, leaving blood on his face, which is always a, kind of uh, interesting touch in these movies to have like children bathed in blood as they're young. Uh, And uh, after mourning and vowing revenge, uh, an official shows up named Bizen Yagyu who informs Ito that the family of the Lord he killed at the beginning of the movie um made these accusations against them and three of the samurai killed themselves uh, in front of the gates to make this accusation that he was a traitor plotting against the shogun. And pretty quickly, uh, Ito susses out that uh, it's actually a plot of the Yagyu clan who have an outward appearing uh, kind of 
proper version of themselves, and then the Ura Yagyu or Shadow Yagyu clan. Um, and uh, who are, are are secretly plotting power and are kind of puppet masters behind everything, who have already took, taken over the uh, Kurokua uh, spy clan and are now trying to take over the job as the the executioners. And that uh, the 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 real master is uh, a guy named Rutsudo Yagyu, is the <laughs> real like shadow shadow lord of the whole thing. Yeah, oh, what a guy he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so he confronts Bison with all this, and that his he showed up with men dressed in chain mail, uh, and it's all set up, and he just starts murdering dudes left and right, uh, chopping through their chain mail, no problem, mm-hmm. uh, because the, I can't remember if it's dropped yet, but at some point we learned that he has a specific kind of sword that is not a, a typical katana, but one designed specifically to uh, oh, yeah. be a warrior's katana that's heavier and will chop through uh, armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that maybe comes up when he goes to that village that's been taken over by the bandits. Yeah, I, I, it definitely comes up then. I think they briefly mentioned it oh, okay. at some point earlier. Yeah. Um. So the, the this is the first time we get to see the fight choreography, which is pretty interesting because it it goes between kind of like pretty far out shots that are that are easy to track, and then a bunch of really frantic close up stuff, and just like some of the best really fake blood sprays I've oh, seen yeah. in any of these Chambara films. Yeah, they're they've really like mastered the like art of spraying that bright red paint all over everything. <laughs> yeah, it's and and the the blood itself is not like it I I do kind of like it sometimes when it's almost orange, but it's actually pretty deep red and and of a of a more liquidy consistency here than a kind of gloopy paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it just works so well as he's just chopping dudes left and right. We get a, a we also get one of those like chopping through bamboo uh, shots in there as well. Mm-hmm. And he, he fights his way out into the water and cuts down a bunch of guys. Uh, and we see that uh, it's, it's framed. We can see a bridge at the top of frame. And then we see that uh, Retsudo is actually watching him. And our first look at Retsudo is... Uh, he is interesting. Yeah. Uh, the closest thing, he actually reminds me a lot of in uh, uh, Chinese martial arts cinema, the kind of like evil white bearded guy yeah. from that. And a lot of this seems maybe influenced by that, by Hong Kong cinema. Totally. Of the, of its contemporary time. Uh, but he is definitely that kind of character and just like sinister watching and, and talking to himself. And, uh, he jumps in deeper water and Bizan jumps in to fight him. And when uh, Retsudo kind of tells the audience that uh, this was a mistake because of uh, uh, Ito's Suyo Ryu style, which is an actual sword style that is mostly focused on uh, opening attacks from like when you actually unsheath your sword. Mm. I don't know how much of that makes it into the actual <laughs> choreography of the. Uh, of the film series. Yeah. Uh, but he, he dips into the water, hiding his sword and uses what he calls his wave slicer technique, which is a big upward slash. 
tricking Bizen and leaving him open to be killed. I thought that um, this was going to get super anime, and I thought it was going to be like an air slash attack, mm-hmm. like how Zoro does in One Piece, where it, he just cuts the air and it somehow just cuts the other person, but with water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not um, too far from that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is the even more so than Lady Snowblood, this is the most like manga like mm-hmm. uh, movie we've watched because we get like he's talking about sword techniques and like ha- things have move names that he calls out. Mm-hmm. We have like very, very specific character archetypes that show up. And so, mm-hmm. like, yeah, a lot of this really did remind me of like uh, contemporary manga stylings, even. Uh, even if it's not full on, like him cutting yeah. up through the water slices like twenty feet in front of him. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so after this, we hear him. He he gives this kind of monologue uh, where he talks about the uh, Omote Yagyu, the the outward facing part of the clan, is a river of greed. Greed. The uh, Shadow Yagyu is a river of fury, but he and Daigoro will walk the white path of righteousness between them. And that's the explanation for the imagery we got from the title card mm-hmm. showing up. And it's just, it's such a weird thing to insert into the film, but it's very cool imagery. Yeah. Um, so back in the present, uh, they're still walking along in the rain. We see these three guys uh one of them is a chancellor from a nearby uh region and his two uh two of his uh trusted warriors with their life sworn to him we learn from them that uh these flashbacks were two years ago and that's how long uh, ito and, and daigoro have been on the run uh but they basically they they recognize uh, Ito and hatch a plan to hire him to well we're we're not sure what their plan is at this point but they vow to die uh for their chancellor uh and hope they're hoping to die because that means it's the real uh uh Ito mm-hmm. he's got the skills yeah and so it's set up as a little test to make sure he's the the real thing and it's because uh the chancellor Gobia wants to hire Ito to assassinate a uh, an elder named Kinmotsu who is trying to himself assassinate the regional lord Noriyuki and replace him with somebody that he can manipulate and send him to a nearby hot spring where uh, Kinmotsu is going to meet with a bunch of dirty low-life ronin who uh, are going to do the actual assassination. And uh, just before this explanation, as he shows him the money is when his two men jump in and without even looking, uh, Ito kills them effortlessly as they try to ambush him from behind. Um, And then he's like, okay, now tell me the story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, that was really unnecessary, but I guess if you really wanted to know it was him... (laughs) Yeah, I know. What? Uh, yeah, what's it like to be those guys? To be like, I guess now is it's my time to die, just to prove that this guy can kill someone else. Yep. Yep. It's, it's bizarre, but that's how it goes when you're a samurai, an mm-hmm. honorable samurai. Um. 
So the next scene is uh, girls in the street playing with a ball. And uh, this, the Singing lyrics of the song. song. <laughs> you, do you, I can't remember the lyrics, uh, except like, they mention a turd falling. Yeah, it's, and like rolling down a hill. Yeah, getting covered with stuff. It is so bizarre. <laughs> um, and it, it's funny because like Daguerreau perks up when he sees kids playing and singing and eventually starts singing along. But uh, then we have a flashback to uh, the, the scene I remember most, uh, probably because it's on one of the Liquid Swords tracks of uh, they're, they're at basically having a kind of funeral for... Uh, Ito is having a funeral for, for his wife and uh, Daigoro is still uh, he can't even walk he's still just crawling around as a child and uh, Ito tells him he must choose between the sword and the ball and if he chooses the sword he will walk the demon way in hell alongside his father and if he chooses the ball he will uh, Ito will kill him to join his mother in the afterlife and after a very tense scene of a baby crawling back and forth, he eventually <laughs> reaches for the sword and yeah. uh, his father tells him you would have been happier to follow your mother. Yeah, I feel like this is the the sort of biggest cultural impact that this movie has had. Like, I don't know, at least maybe on our side of the world. I, I see references to choose the ball or the sword uh, yeah. quite a lot. See, I thought that was a Dalai Lama thing, though, right? Like, um, oh, for the like the to ensure or to find the the successor uh, of the Dalai Lama to make sure that his spirit still has attachments to the old things. Yes. Like, um, like, you know, uh, like this ball, like which one of these belonged to the predecessor? And that's how they Mm. chose the Dalai Lama. Right. Like and then the baby kind of crawls towards the. I, I think it's more that like if if you are truly like if my blood, the blood of the uh, if the blood of the Ogami assat or not assassins executioners is flowing in you, then the blood will reach out for the sword. But if you are if you are of your mother, then you will reach for the childish thing because you're a child and I can't bring you along on this journey with me. He needs to make sure he's hard. Yeah. Because, yeah, he says, like, I know you can't understand this, but, like, if it's in you, like, I know what you'll what you'll choose. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it's, yeah, it's such a such a badass moment. That comparison to the Dalai Lama thing is interesting, though, because there is this sort of like undercurrent and sometimes overly stated like thing about spirituality and stuff that's kind of laid over this whole thing which is interesting yeah yeah it's something that's interesting interesting to me is like the wife is worried about the vengeful spirits but then ito is like no we can go we'll go talk to the spirits of the people i've killed like or the that i have uh been second to mm-hmm. and like that yeah they they're they're out there but they're they're fine with their fate if they're honorable people they're not in hell yeah um but uh the the next scene is he and his son are still dressed in their like white clothes uh which are 
white is uh, in a lot of contexts the color of death and uh, I thought at first they were uh, in those clothes to mourn and then uh, officials from the shogunate show up and demand that uh, he commit seppuku <clears throat> and he's like ah, I'm I'm glad to see you're already wearing white you have such strong resolve and honor I'm I'm glad that you have accepted this fate and uh, he because he is laying there with his sword and his head bowed and he just kind of slowly looks up and gives a sinister laugh that he is not wearing white because he is, uh, he is going to commit seppuku that he is wearing white because he's transcended his life and that he is going to walk the, the way of the demon and, uh, basically fights his way out. And we get another one of these scenes of him just like tearing down dozens of guys yeah, and then the red, like, splattered on the white suits looks really great. Like, that's a yeah. good visual. And it, it should be noted that through, in this scene, he is actually, is he, yeah, he's carrying around his son. Yeah, in under, one like, arm. one arm. Yeah. <laughs> As they're just getting, yeah, it's just splattered with blood. The, the sword is just completely red by the time he makes his way out of the building. And slices down a guy, and this this is also very anime. He slices down a guy by the gate. It cuts through the guy, cuts through the gate, and cuts through the bamboo outside the gate. <laughs> um, where the doors open, and we see uh, Retsudo and all of his Yagyu guys just waiting outside. And uh, in a real badass move, he takes off his uh, Ito takes off his white shirt to reveal that he is still wearing his executioner robe with a hollyhock crest, and no one will dare touch him while he's wearing the crest of the shogun because to attack him is to attack the crest. Um, but they make a deal where Retsudo is like, "Listen, if you defeat one of my guys in an honorable duel, I'll let you just like just leave here, and uh, so long as you stay out of Edo, we won't bother you." And uh, we get this really cool scene of samurai going to have a duel in at sunset in this wheat field. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, Retsudo once again for the benefit of the audience is is giving a lot of exposition for what's going on. Um, which I, I I do like when a villain is just kind of like. Like, who's that for him just talking out loud about this stuff? <laughs> um, but it's it's really interesting, lit, the, just the sun, sunset orange on everything. But the light is behind the Yagyu duelist. Uh, and he, Ito has his baby on his back. And so it's, it's I don't think it's a pun in, in Japanese, but it was really funny hearing... Let's do t- talk about how his guy has the sun on his back and I- Ito has his son on his back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really wondered really long and hard about that. Um, like how, how purposeful that was. And like, if, if that works uh, on the Japanese side of things, yeah. uh, cause it's, it's too good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it works too um, well. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't try to scrutinize the, Japanese to figure out what they're actually saying, but I, I really hope that it's a, a similar thing. Um, and uh, they just are running at each other through this uh, field of tall grass. 
and as he's staring into the sun and at the last second he ducks to reveal that Ito or his, that Daigoro is wearing a mirror on his head that then blinds his opponent and he just straight up running beheads him. <laughs> yeah. So I and that like fully goes into that thing of where Daigoro has now chosen the sword like uh Ito's like putting him in as much danger as he's putting himself, you know, like that yeah. guy could have totally chopped off that baby's head. Um, yeah, that yeah, was great. Yeah. Not, not only putting him in, in danger, but he is also now basically a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, just like the, the shadow cast of like the, the slow-mo shot of them, after they clash and his head his headless body is just standing there head tumbling through the air it's so cool Mm -hmm. um and so that and now then we see them walking down the road again we know how uh they got to where they are and evaded the capture and execution by the shogunate and so they're they're walking around. They come to a rope bridge, and uh, this is a real Chekhov's rope bridge <laughs> um, that sadly never gets cut down. Yeah. Um, and uh, a, a guy is is killed running from Ronan, crossing the other way as he's as Ito is trying to cross with his carriage. And they threaten to cut down the bridge. And he's like, well, that would make it hard for you guys to get back over on this other side. And they're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's just an empty bluff. Uh, but he gets the other side and they take his sword. And this is where they call out that it's a, a Daitanoki sword, which is the, like I said, heavier and, and more adept at being a proper soldier's sword. I love the look of these fancy. guys. Uh, one guy's got like a... S- scar down his face and one guy's got his like really crazy looking uh eye patch and they're both like sneering and i don't know they just look really great yeah, yeah. they're really good bandit designs i just w- I, like it's so close i just wish that guy's eye patch was actually a rio <laughs> <laughs> it's That's almost a- there is that the original design from the manga? If it like the Rio eye patch or if i don't know if that guy's in the manga or not. Oh, i have no idea. Yeah, i don't um, remember. Yeah, I I uh, I appreciate how they they look very different from each other. Mm-hmm. How all the characters in this movie look very different from each other. Yeah, and this this is the thing that I said that like reminds me a lot about uh, a manga that we get all these like very distinct character designs and character archetypes um, in a way that reminds reminds me of. Uh, Shark Skin Man and Peach Hip Girl, mm. which was weird when looking seeing that movie and all the characters have the like very distinct designs. Then you look at the manga and it's just a bunch of like generic gangster dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me wonder if if these designs are taken from the manga or if they're uh, inventions for the film. Um, uh, following this, we get uh, because we apparently can't do a film that doesn't have at least something gross in it. Uh, a, uh, another bandit to show how bad they are, uh, grabs this woman and proceeds to rape her. And some guy, uh, tries to rescue her and he kills the guy with a Kami with a chain on it. And, uh, I guess murders the woman in the process. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, it's and and he he is also like a kind of country bandit character design, but it's just a real gross scene. And I'm mad that we keep running across these in films that otherwise don't need them. But I guess they wanted to like show how rough and bad these guys really were. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, Ito is refuses to go around the corner when he figures out what's going on because he's, he's been unarmed and can't really do anything about it. But also it is like, trying to avoid that and keep his, his son away from it. Um, but eventually they get taken into the, the, uh, the onsen town, the, the hot springs town and meet the rest of the, the Ronin head guys. Um, the main Ronin leader, uh, looks really familiar, but I couldn't place if I had seen him anything and IMDB was not helpful because, very few of these characters actually get named in the, in the film. Mm. Um, but, uh, he's, uh, smoking a pipe and has a very distinctive look to him. And then there's like a twitchy knife throwing guy and a dude with the kind of Abraham Lincoln look to him. (laughs) That seemed to be a little cooler headed. Um, but he meets them and the, the main, Ronin leader guy kind of recognizes Ito and asks him what his name is. And he gives a fake name, uh, but he can't quite place where he knows him from. And the knife throwing guy throws a bunch of knives at him, messing with him and thinks that he is showing like what a wuss he is. But the, the kind of Abraham Lincoln looking guy tells him about it actually shows that he is a, really smart warrior, but he knows that he can't do anything right now. And so, uh, Ito gets tossed in to the, into this room with a bunch of other drifters through the town that are some like gamblers, a priest, another wandering samurai and a prostitute named Osun who, uh, he, uh, when he gets in there, uh, Daigoro immediately runs to uh, finds a bed and falls asleep immediately, <laughs> which is real cute. Yeah. Um, and he tries to go to sleep immediately as well. When the knife guy busts in and starts just like hitting him and trying to like get a rise out of him, but he's pretending to be asleep. And once he threatens the, uh, threatens Daigoro, uh, uh, Osen jumps in and tries to intervene to protect him. And, has an exchange with the knife throwing guy that ends up with the knife throwing guy demanding that she and Ito have sex, uh, which they do. in what turns out to be a like really kind of avant-garde, but lurid sex scene that is also incredibly awkward because they were being forced to do it in front of a group of people. Yeah. Um, I thought this was super weird, but, um, it's also super seventies. Like this is, yeah. this is very much in in line with uh, the uh, sex exploitation boom mm-hmm. of of that era of film. Uh, and it's, I think, like it's this really weird film effect that uh, I don't know, you know, film terms or whatever. But it's, I think, like the foot, like the same. Uh, I think three or four shots of footage being overlaid on top of each other, uh, over and over. Mm-hmm. for a little while and i just kept thinking to myself man this is going on a long time yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those things it's like this is not the uh, uh 
Roman porno or whatever, but they're, they're pushing some boundaries and being like, yeah, we can, we can get some sexy in this movie. We just have to make it art. Yeah. Um, and like it's, it's shot fine and she is way more into it than he is. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's just such a weird scene to include in the movie. Um, and then afterwards, uh, that like the it meets with the the approval of everybody, and they leave them alone. <laughs> and all these guys that are locked up together start kind of bad mouthing the guy for uh, for having sex with her instead of standing up for his dignity or whatever. And uh, Osen just kind of uh, mocks them and is like. Uh, what would you have done in that, in that situation? And then she's like, you couldn't even like, you wouldn't even be able to have sex if you were being threatened like that. Like what, why are you trying to, to talk shit about this guy? Um, and it, it kind of shuts everybody up. (laughs) Yeah. There's Um, a lot of like, you know, this is one of those movies that has a whole lot of like building up, uh, our main character as being a super badass manly man. And this is just like a whole nother aspect of that where it's like, and he can have sex in the dangerous situation. Da, da, yeah. Da. It's just like he can get an erection, even though people are threatening him. It's just <laughs> a weird humble brag for your character. But you know, you want to show what a cool badass he is, yeah, I guess. Totally. Um, but, but it's a funny scene watching that, that one guy that I think the drifting gambler get shut down, mm-hmm. uh, even though he's trying to talk big. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they, uh, uh, Daguro and uh, Ito and uh, eventually Osin all go to the hot springs and are sitting around in it. And she kind of talks about how she's her, her kind of place in life and her weird uh, acceptance of death and intimates that she kind of knows who they are and has an interesting conversation about talking about these are the bat springs because bats are weird characters that are kind of in between worlds because uh they they have wings but they're not a bird they have uh fangs but they're not like a beast so they they don't they have all these aspects of things around them even though they don't belong to any one specific one kind of calling out both them and herself and how they're kindred spirits in the world mm-hmm. um and uh, next scene is Kinmosu arriving and talking with Ronin and twitchy knife guy gets real. Uh, he sees one of the Kinmosu's men. He's got three uh, uh, samurai with him that are supposed to be excellent uh, samurai, one of which likes uh, is is known for his prowess on horseback with with guns and he's sitting there like cleaning his guns in front of everybody and twitchy knife guy wants to like touch them and gets really mad when he's told no, they have to kind of diffuse the situation. And it's, it's a really small character moment, but like, I don't know. I, it's very like, these are a bunch of dysfunctional gangsters sitting around, uh, kind of in a Tarantino way where in a different movie, it could go, that whole scene could go real bad. Mm. Um, but the, the main guy kind of diffuses it and they set up their plans 
And the next day as the Ronin round up the town, they're going, they threaten the villagers, but are not going to do anything to them unless they tell. But the drifters, they are going to kill as a warning to the, to everybody else. And as the, uh, the gambler is threatening or threatening is the gambler is begging them not to, to kill him. And, uh, uh, the, the wandering Ronin says he's sick and they'll have that. He, uh, can't do anything and talks about uh, seppuku and the Buddhist priest is praying. He puts together these words and realizes that, oh no, it's, it's the, the Lord's executioner. Don't touch that man. Yeah. And about that time is when Ito starts coming around the corner with his carriage and the knife throwing guy gets too twitchy and is about to throw a knife when uh, Ito cranks off one of the handles from the carriage, which has a giant knife in it and throws it at the knife throwing guy who is very confused and is like, wait, no, <laughs> this is not how that is supposed to happen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just get another incredibly badass fight scene where he disassembles another part of the, the carriage, the baby carriage into a Naganata. And just goes to town, including another move that he uh, he cuts the I think it's the Abraham Lincoln guy off at the shins and oh calls it the horse slayer. God, yeah, <laughs> I, it, it, that part was so like cartoony, but I couldn't help but think, okay, this is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is this is my preferred like level of realism for uh, dismemberment. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it is very silly, but still really badass, like chopping legs and arms off and stuff. Or when he beheaded the guy earlier. Yeah. The two feet are still like firmly planted on the ground. It's just that the guy falls over <laughs> unattached to them, <laughs> which is hilarious. But yeah, it's, the, the whole scene is just really good. And eventually uh, working his way through all the Ronin, the, uh, the, the elder and his men all come out and he, the, the guy with the guns tries to shoot at him, but he cranks up the baby carriage. So, and the bottom of it is a steel plate that the bullets just bounce off of. And then he does this huge flying chop over the carriage <laughs> onto the guy who just looks confused as hell. Uh, and then finally killing Kinmotsu as he tries to shamefully run away. And so his, his work now done, he just kind of casually makes his way out of town not really saying anything to anybody. And Osen tries to follow him uh, across the bridge, but he threatens to cut it uh, if she follows him, just like putting his sword up to it, not actually turning around or saying anything to her. And uh, she like collapses and he continues to walk away and we get more really crazy music. <laughs> um, and, and a end card. Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, Alex, this was your first time seeing this. What was your, uh, reaction? Man, I loved it. I thought that, uh, I think out of all the samurai movies that we've watched thus far, um, I'm not going to say this is the one that I like the most just because I have such history with some of the other ones that we've watched, but, uh, like upon first viewing, this is the one that like, I was just like, yeah, yeah. Like the whole time. <laughs> and I think that's partly due to, um, the pacing of it. 
and how short of a movie it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually kind of shocked when I saw this movie was barely like barely an hour and a half. Um, yeah, it's like a minute 23 or something, which is funny coming off the discussion last week where I was like, every movie we do is exactly two hours long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this one, this one made it a lot easier to, that made it a lot easier to uh, digest, I think. Um, and the set pieces uh, just kind of went one after another after another. And um, nothing, uh, nothing is really dwelled upon. The action sequences are, I think, the best part um, and the most fun to watch. Uh, the, um, the notion of him carrying around this kid, by the way, who is super cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they, uh, when they say that he's three, uh, I was shocked a little bit like, oh, he's three. Yeah. Like, cause I don't know. Every three-year-old that I've ever met is a lot more, uh, um, rambunctious talks a little more, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, he has a very quiet, well-behaved child. <laughs> Yes, he does. <laughs> um, I can tell you though that I was a little, uh, I was a little confused by the beginning of the movie because for the longest time I thought that like okay, like after, uh, I thought that the ba- like his baby was, uh, you know, the the same kid that he tried to kill at the beginning of the movie. Uh, like yeah. he just sort of like rescued it and then is just like living with, with it. But I am. Um, I, I didn't quite get that until we got to the point where, um, like we got further along, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. I, you know, when I watch the movies for the first time, it's sort of like, uh, my brain works like, okay, let's see if I can guess what's going to happen based mm-hmm. on this information. Um, yeah, I, uh, aside from actually even the sex scene was fine. Um, I, cause it was, I don't know. It was so positive, uh, <laughs> for the most part. Um, even though it was weird. Uh, I, um, yeah, I, I kind of want to see the rest of these now. Mm-hmm. And I have thought about buying like the Criterion, uh, set off of Amazon. I was looking and seeing how much it was, but then I remembered that, uh, um, I might be signing up to, uh, for the Criterion channel at some point. Oh yeah. And those all might be on there anyway. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, but I, based on the way this movie went, I can sort of surmise that I think I'm going to like the series just as a whole. Yeah. The, uh, the, I, even with the criterion channel, whenever that shows up, I still will be buying this set the next time it goes on sale, just because Mm -hmm. I want a physical copy. And the box set is really interesting. I think it comes with, uh, you also get Shogun assassin. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you get, because I think there's a Shogun assassin, uh, there's a. They made a second Shogun Assassin that is a different cut of the third movie. Oh, really? I don't think that's um, included. But the original okay. Shogun Assassin is yeah. included. Yeah, it includes that, and it's got secret blueprints for the uh, <laughs> for the baby carriage. Yeah, because so I mean, without getting too much into it, but like as the series goes on, the the sort of component of the baby carriage having secret weapons and stuff in it built into it kind of expands and goes crazier and crazier. So having <laughs> the fact that like yeah, spoiler alert, everyone, uh, if you have the set. Uh, Open up what looks like the spine of it because there's actually a little compartment in there with folded up blueprints for the baby card in it. And it's very cool. Um, but wow. yeah, I think it's, uh, was it normally like $100? And if it's on one of those like Criterion half off sales that they do on the website or at uh, Barnes and Noble, $50 for 
it was six movies is seems like a pretty solid deal for a criterion collect uh box mm-hmm. set um joey what did you think upon yeah watch? um like you know like alex this this movie is really fun like it's just like very like it moves fast and it's very like compelling and fun to watch all the way i you know i would say that i'm kind of a bit more into the first half where we're exploring his backstory and the stuff with the yagyu because i mean retido yeah, is me so too. compelling and stuff and during the second half it i don't know it drags a little for me um but then it ends with such an amazing like fight scene that it still kind of you know sticks that landing um i think uh wakayama is an interesting pick for this character like i don't quite know what he's going for sometimes sometimes like he does what i think is supposed to be the stoic badass stare you know but it also kind of looks to me just like he's like super depressed like um and you know having your wife killed and losing your status and being forced to wander the countryside uh with your your baby you know constantly in danger and stuff would be a, a reason to be depressed but i'm not sure if that's exactly the intention uh that they're going for um, so I don't know if that's like a choice that Wakayama makes or if Wakayama thinks that he's doing like the cool stoic stare and it's not quite <laughs> working. But I, I think he's an interesting uh, choice for the character because he's not the sort of like, you know, Toshiro Mifune, like clearly badass, cool guy, you know. Um, but yeah, really, really fun movie. I also really like the kid that plays Daigoro. Like, um, he doesn't do too much in this one, but in some of the later movies, he's got some good like sneers and does kind of fun stuff to participate a little bit more. Um, is it the same kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same kid. Uh, I think this is one of those things where they made the six movies over you know two years or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of those okay, two or yeah. three years where they just kind of cranked them all out. So. Yeah, it's all the same cast and everything. Um, yeah, I think in the manga series, by the end of it, he is actually like, yeah, he, he's I, I think around maybe teenage. Oh, uh, that's but yeah, when they're 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 filming like five movies in two years, you don't really have time to age up that character nearly as much. <laughs> yeah, and it just works really well as the sort of iconic image mm-hmm. of a man and a baby and and they're like weird super cart <laughs> um yeah yeah th- those are my general thoughts um i like it a lot oh another thought about um retsudo i think he's like god his design is so imposing yet so like cheesy mm-hmm. uh it's very memorable in that way it reminds me a lot of like old kung fu movies Totally. Uh, and just like how, oh yeah, that's like the fakest beard I've ever seen, but it's okay because <laughs> like, and he has such a slow way of speaking. It's very menacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's straight up like a super villain in this movie. It's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this rewatch this. Like you said, I think the operative mo- word for this movie and for the series in general is just fun. It's not like it doesn't have as good emotional beats or or like the the fight choreography is is good, but it's the best parts are when it's just outrageous. Yeah. And yeah. And the breezy pacing really help everything. And I think that even though, like Joey said, uh, 
Wagiyama is not the not what not like he's not a handsome leading man. He's not like super rugged and badass looking. He's a kind of like round face, a little bit dumpy, but he the times that he needs to sell things he he manages to do it both through his voice and occasionally like in the scene where he's like looking up from from bowing when he's telling them that he's not he's not getting ready for his own funeral uh he just has this kind of like uh death glare Mm -hmm. coming up from that that is really effective even though he normally doesn't emote quite that way (laughs) um so yeah this movie is just fun and badass and i really enjoyed rewatching it and want to I, I i've seen the the second one but i haven't seen the rest of the series but i want that uh, criterion set um if you like this movie the second one is probably the wildest of them um and uh definitely check it out um so uh, uh joey what was your uh, favorite part or, or favorite aspect yeah um you know when i was thinking about it i think my favorite scene may be that battle on the waterfall or cascade or whatever you'd call mm-hmm. it like i think that's just a very cool visual and you get that bit with the sword technique and all that stuff that we were talking about but what really sells it is what i want to talk about is the extreme close-ups in this movie uh mm-hmm. yeah boy this is one of my we like i think at some point i called the filming like very stylized or something and that's that's one of the things that i love about this movie is like these sort of like crazy straight on close-up shots of the characters looking straight at you (laughs) and and speaking like retsudo and there's that that scene where the um the you know sideburns bandit uh guy is like realizing that uh, who Ito is and just so wild eyed and sweaty right up in your face. Yeah. It's so yeah. great. And, and that transition in the waterfall scene where you're getting like little flashes of, uh, Retsudo's face, um, before it actually moves over to him is like really incredible. So I just, yeah. And there's a few other scenes with other characters, like just kind of like, uh, right up in the camera, uh, staring at you and being really intense that I, I thought was really cool, uh, and really, uh, striking. Yeah, I made a bunch of notes and as I was watching about the kind of like the the camera focus and how there there are a lot of shots that are these kind of pulled out static shots, but there's so much stuff with just like dead on people's faces emoting and it's not in a claustrophobic way. It rem- this is another way that it reminds me a lot of manga of like it that like just a full panel of a character's reaction to something. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and yeah, it's, it's so good. (laughs) Uh, Alex. So I like, um, I think my favorite scene is probably the duel, the sunset duel. Mm -hmm. Um, It like, well, that, (laughs) that line (laughs) made a huge impact on me. The, uh, you know, uh, Kureda is um, his, the uh the sun is at his back and uh ito's son is on his back like i love i don't know that made such an impression on me because it's it's so uh it's so good um and uh him decapitating him was also really cool i think i i had an audible oh like when i like (laughs) this is the kind of movie that made me just kind of like be really vocal about all the action that was happening in it because i wasn't expecting it um and uh you know this era of samurai films you can't help but expect a samurai movie to be thoughtful 
and uh, for the point of it to just uh, 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 to um, be uh, sort of um, focused on how well it was shot and uh, you know big character moments but like uh, a lot of you know internal uh, looking inward type thing uh, but this one is it's all about the action <laughs> and the action's so good uh, I think that and uh, like yeah that scene in particular I really loved and also the scene where um, uh, the, the gentleman uh, is uh, I think Yag- Yagi right the um, the guys who frame him Mm-hmm. Yeah, this the uh, clan. Uh, yeah, they they lean into it when he accuses them. Oh yeah, Bizen is the the name of the yes. guy with the yes. hat on. Yeah, yeah, Bizen. He instead of like flat out denying it, he does this sort of you know uh, evil laugh and says, "Well, you figure us out. Time to die." And um, I love that kind of thing. That's such a it's such a tropey tropey thing, but I, I love it because I love I love watching villains choose scenery like that mm-hmm. and really lean into the fact that yes, I'm the bad guy. Go ahead and try to defeat us if you can, kind of thing. Uh yeah. It I loved all the on the surface stuff a lot. Uh how about you, Scott? Uh my favorite part is actually well the Honestly, my favorite part might be the music, but I'll, I'll get to that after this. Uh, but my favorite scene is actually when he is, uh, when they come to tell him to, to commit seppuku and he just, and he rises laughing kind of sinisterly. Like <laughs> that scene is so badass because he has just fully lost it at that point and is ready to just, even, the, even if these aren't the specific people that, that uh, are responsible, he is just like, I'm going to have some fun tearing shit up mm-hmm. because I'm so mad about all this. Um, and yeah, that the, the way he looks up from that, from kneeling there is just super badass and cool. Um, the music to elaborate a little more is that what I love about it is it's got a lot of traditional kind of like, Japanese drumming and, and flutes, but then there's all this like kind of crunchy guitar and a ton of early synth Mm -hmm. on top of it. And it's just this really fascinating, very specific to the seventies kind of sound, um, that just gets pretty wild. And I'm, I'm sad that things don't set like we've got, we've got a lot of like throwback stuff uh, these days but nothing that sounds quite like that hmm. uh, I don't yeah. know if the music struck y'all quite the same way I I made a note of it that it sounded pretty funky uh, but I liked it a lot um, it's not the it's not music that you typically hear in a samurai movie yeah, yeah. Um, so moving along uh for the the shall we dance section did you did y'all have any ideas of if this was remade for us audiences aside from just being recut <laughs> well, well uh yeah you go Jerry. have you guys seen a movie called road to perdition um because <laughs> that is based off of a graphic novel which uh the author has like openly admitted is basically a huge homage to lone wolf and cub um oh wow yeah 
I've actually never seen Road to Perdition. <laughs> I remember it being pretty good. I saw it a long time ago, but um, I remember liking it pretty well. Um, uh, oh, wow. I started reading the the graphic novel in a bookstore once and felt kind of bored by it mm. and didn't read the rest. And so when the, they made a movie version of it, I was like, no, thank you. I never actually watched it. Uh, yeah, I uh, tracked down the comic after... Um, watching the movie and I recommend checking out the movie. <laughs> well then. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, I was about to say that uh, if they were to remake this, it would most certainly have to be a Western mm. just by the you know progression of how it's gone in the past, you know? Yeah, totally. But, but road to perdition. That's a, uh, I think this is also a good section of the podcast to recommend movies to people too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Say so, like, if you like this, maybe you should check out that or something. Yeah. But road yeah. To perdition. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, uh, have any uh, ideas as far as like, uh, modern actors, uh, or Western actors, uh, if there was a more, yeah, a Western or, a, you know, American remake of this. Uh, yeah, my my immediate thought, just uh, thinking about when Shogun Assassin came out over here, um, I, I, I think Alex is right in that it would have probably been a Western. And the first actor that popped into my mind because it was 1980 would have been uh, this movie would have starred Tom Selleck. No, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Clint Eastwood. Nah, need somebody Selleck, that's huh? a little. Yeah. It'd be like the prequel to Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the other thing that he that made him pop into my mind. It's like we've already got Tom Selleck and a baby. That's hilarious. Floating around out in, out in the universe. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, we might all have the same person for this. But what are you, what are y'all's Takashi Shimura award? Uh, I I gotta <sighs> give it to uh, Yunosuke Ito as Yagi Retsudo. Um, I think that Retsudo stole every scene that he was in and him and his big fake beard. Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a second too. from me too. And it's not yeah. just the like beard. He had the perfect combination of like a super striking appearance and his performance is nuts. Like, um, yeah, it's incredibly memorable. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know if there is a particular dialect of of how he speaks, but I've I've seen it before elsewhere, where he just sort of talks like this, and he takes his time, and everything sounds <laughs> methodical. Like yeah, it's 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 like he's pushing every word out of his mouth or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's really he's really going for it. Mm-hmm. Jazz, yeah. it, it's just so good. His performance is is so off the wall in compare, comparison to a lot of the other stuff in the film that it stands out on top of how good it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I that's the other thing I really want to know, like how the rest of if he shows back up in the rest of the movies i didn't actually look ahead to see if he pops up in the cast list um because i know how the the manga series ends and i would really like to see some version of that uh Mm -hmm. and heavily involve him in in the film series but i don't know what actually happens in the fifth film so um did y'all have any other uh closing thoughts or anything 
Uh, no, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts when you guys see the rest of the movies, uh, for sure. Yeah, um, I, I'm, uh, I honestly, before we, we, uh, did this, I had no idea. Like, I, I didn't know if I would even like, like this film series. I'm just like, oh, okay, it's another samurai, mm-hmm. uh, you know, another, another samurai, uh, romp, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so well known. And, um. Even friends who friends of mine who like are like yeah I'm not really into anime or manga. Oh by the way have you seen have you watched Lone, or have you read Lone Wolf and Cub? I've I've read that comic. I'm like oh yeah that's manga. <laughs> yeah so I feel uh, like I mean as much as we kind of sneered at the Frank Miller covers of the old editions, I think that that was sort of the like gateway to a more mainstream comics audience is. Is they were like, well, this is endorsed by a guy who made some Batman comics I like, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely think it was a good, it was a like solid move for them to do that. I just personally have negative feelings about Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like that was, that's probably a good gateway to people being like, I don't read comics, I read graphic novels <laughs> to get them to actually pick up some manga. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, this movie is just so fun. The The second movie is nuts with ninjas and uh, lady swordsmen. And uh, I really want to know what happens in the other three films as well. And uh, if, for, if any of you listening to this are just experiencing it vicariously uh, and this sounds at all cool, go check it out. Um and or if you uh, for anybody, you know, that liked Lady Snowblood, this is in a similar, a bit more accessible vein, I think mm. uh, a little less arty, a little more uh, legs getting chopped off, <laughs> um, which yeah, is a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of them. Alex, what are we doing next month? Wow. Okay. Next month, hold on to your hats because we're <laughs> going to be doing a movie that is unlike any other movie that we've done before. Um, it's called Funky Forest: The First Contact. Um, it's a 2005 film that is directed by two directors, um, Katsuhito Ishii and Hajime Ishimine, and um, it's got a cast list of Toho Yaro alums, uh, including. A, uh, <laughs> including a director in a starring role. So, hmm. um, just you wait. Oh, cool. uh, I'm, I'm, um, and speaking of two hour movies, uh, this one's two and a half hours. So, <laughs> yeah, strap yourselves in because this is, yeah, well, yeah, I, I haven't think, seen it. I know it by reputation. I've seen a trailer for it and I am very excited. I literally yeah, know I've nothing only, about it except for that, like, that it's crazy because it's one of those movies that comes up when people are like, Oh, crazy Japanese movies. Have you seen funky forest? And I'm like, no, I don't know what that is, but, uh, I'm looking forward to finding out. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well in that case, uh, Scott, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at uh, as Friska Chat on Twitter, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Twitch at uh, Viria, V-Y-R-I-A. Uh, I'm trying to stream more. I played a little bit of Celeste the other week. Uh, I'm 
probably be either playing more Celeste or some Resident Evil 2 or trying to get my way out of garbage tier in Tekken ranked. Uh, if anybody wants to check that out, I'm generally going to be trying to stream on Tuesday nights. Um, that's all I've got going on. Alex, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at dude exclamation, all one word. Uh, you can listen to me weekly on the one piece podcast and you can check out my Simpsons shit posts, uh, on <laughs> weeb Simpsons, uh, on Twitter. Um, and please, uh, if you can go to superartfight.com slash merch. And if you want to, um, buy the card game that I worked on. Uh, it's really fun. It's a drawing based card game and you definitely do not need to know how to draw to play it. Cool. Cool. Uh, Joey? Um, I'm on Twitter at Joey Weiser and now on Instagram at Joey Weiser Comics. Um, please follow me there and uh, check out my graphic novels. Uh, the Merman book series is out now and coming up in May is my new book, Ghost Hog. So please, now is the time to pre-order that. Uh, let your retailer know that you want it or pre-order it online. Uh, that helps out a lot. Um, and then uh, and start looking out for conventions. Let's see. This is February. So at the end of March, uh, I'll be uh, at Fluke in Athens, Georgia. So if you are in the Athens, Atlanta area, uh, check out Fluke. Um, and then as for Toho Yaro, uh, you can follow us uh, at Toho Yaro on Twitter, uh, to like the Toho Yaro Facebook page. Um, <clears throat> you can email us at tohoyaro at gmail.com. And uh, please rate and review and tell all your friends about our show. Yes. Uh, for some reason, reviewing and rating on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, helps us out a lot and helps uh, other people find us through searches. So um, please make an effort to do that. Uh, it only takes a few seconds out of your day. Um, I'd also like to um, announce that Toho Yara is officially on Spotify. So in case uh, you're having trouble recommending us to, to your friends because they have no idea how to listen to a podcast, uh, well, we're on Spotify now. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I like that. Uh, yeah, thanks to uh, our our overlord, Zach, for making that happen. Yes, thank you, Zach. Thank you so much. All right. Well, until next time, uh, thanks for listening. And everybody get excited for Funky Forest. Yeah. Choose the sword, and you will join me. Choose the ball, and you join your mother in death. You don't understand my words, but you must choose. Like blacks rock ashy legs. Why is the sky blue? Why is water?
the wet. Why did Judas rat the Romans while Jesus slept? Stand up, you out of luck like two dogs stuck. Iron Man be sipping rum out of Stanley Cups. Unflammable, Noriega, aiming nozzles. Stay windy in Chicago, spine tingle, mind boggles. Kangos and rainbow colors, promoters try to hold dough. Give me mine before Poe, wrap you up in so-and-so. I ran the dark ages, Constantine the Great, Henry the Eighth. Built with Genghis Kong, the red suede Wally Dawn. I judge wisely, as if nothing ever surprised me. Lounging between two pillars of ivory, I'm lively. My dome piece is like building stones in Greece. My poems are deep from ancient thrones I speak. I'm overwhelmed as my mind roams around. My eyes, the visions, memory is the film. Others act subtile, but they fragile above clouds. They act wild and couldn't budge a crowd. No matter how loud they get, throw they growl and spit. Clutch their fists and throw up signs like a crip. And throw all types of fit. I leave them split like ass cheeks and rag pussy. Hey yo, camouflage chameleon, ninja skill in your building. No time to grab the gun, they already got your wife and children. A hit was sent from the president to raid your residence because you had secret evidence and documents on how they raped the continents. At least the prominent, dominant Islamic, Asiatic, black Hebrew. The year 2002, the battle still with the rule. Six million devils just died from the bubonic flow of the Ebola virus under the reign of King Cyrus. You can see the Weakness of a man right through his iris. Unlawed you snakes get thrown in boiling lakes of hot oil. Uncoils your skin. Chicken heads getting slim like olive oil. Only plant the seed deep inside fertile soil. Fortify with essential vitamin and minerals. Use the sky for blanket stuff and cloud inside my pillow. Rolling with the lamb. 12 tribes, 144,000 chosen. Proton electrons always cause explosions. The banks of G all cream down to back. Money feet good, opposites off the set. It ain't hard to see my seeds need guard degree. I got mouths to feed, unnecessary beef is more cows to breed. I'm on some tax free shit by any means. Whether bound to hit scheme or some counterfeit cream. I learned much from such swift cons to run scams. Veterans got the game spiced like ham. And from that, sons are born and guns are drawn. Clips are fully loaded, and then blood floods the lawn. Discipline, every action was a fraction of strength that made me truncate the length one temp. With the stump, tweeters hiss like air pumps. Rizzo shaped the track, niggas caught razor bumps. Scar trying to figure who invented this unprecedented opium scented, dark tinted. Now watch me blow them out of shoes without clues, cause I won't hesitate to detonate them short fuse.